Greetings, precious kinklings. You're listening to K's for Kinky, and we have an extra kinkling here today. Hi, I am Veronica Kestrel. I am a professional dominatrix with the Sanctuary LAX. I've been in a lifestyle for 15 years, and I am a kink, uh, not only a dominatrix, but also a kink educator. If you are familiar with my work, you probably know me from TikTok or from other podcast appearances that I've done. But uh, I, I focus, my main, my main deepest kink is doll play which is why I'm being invited on this one today. Awesome. We're so <laughs> All happy. Right. And I'm Jen. And I'm Eden. And All right, let's get let's get into it. Yeah, because today we're talking about dollification, doll yeah. play. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the K's for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics. So if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. I did want to ask, and I like, I, I feel bad in case you have like bad feelings about the movie, but I want to know what you think of the Barbie movie. I haven't seen it. No spoilers. Well, no spoilers. Okay. Have you seen it? I have. Yes. And I loved it. I, I don't I don't know how I could have gotten a bad impression from that movie. It was a celebration of uh, embracing not just your your own sense of personal identity, but it showed a version of femininity that can be embraced without needing to water it down with this sort of cynical 21st century, I'm not going to be a girly girl kind of thing. It's a, you can be whatever kind of person you want to, and it doesn't detract from your overall value or the, your ability to contribute to society or to any kind of professional situation at all. I really liked that. I liked uh, that whole bit at the end. Well, no, that's spoilery shit. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to go. A really good oh, yeah. part. I okay, really want to talk about it at the end, la, la, but it's spoilery la. as fuck. This review contains spoilers. If you have not seen this movie, read this book, or watched this TV show, please proceed at your own risk. So, yeah, if anyone if anyone is uh, is listening to the podcast, please please earmuffs right now. But there's this part at the end, right, where she's asking the designer of Barbie, Ruby. She's asking her, "I can just be." A person like uh, do I I need your permission and it's being explained to her is that no you don't need someone's permission to be a person and says but you're going to be have to to face the reality of the real world which is complex and difficult and she says well how do I know she's like you just kind of gotta know of course you can be the person you want to be but in the end no one is going to tell you who you are and no one is going to give you permission to be who you want to be. And in fact, if someone was in that position to give you permission and deemed themselves worthy of deciding who you're allowed to be, that person would be an inherently an, a harmful influence on you. Because all of it is about self-determination. It's about figuring out who you are and taking ownership of that. And as a trans person, I have to say that's that's really, really stuck and hit deep because right when you're starting to figure out who you actually are and it's time to finally take that final step and say yes this actually is who I am I'm not going to live in denial anymore uh this is who I am it's this huge step and you keep waiting for someone to tell you yeah do it this is you've solved the equation you're correct in your identity venture forth with no fear but that's not how it works you don't get to venture forth with no fear. Living your life is is terrifying. <laughs> Choosing to embody your 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 full and true self is uh is is a challenge and it should be scary because that means that's worth it. It means you're 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 heading into uncharted waters. You're going to discover new things and it's worth doing because staying safe your whole life you'll just live with regret. So I really like that bit at the end. All right. And and my ears are back in. So yes. I, I tapped Miss Jim when I when I knew the spoiler was for sure over. <laughs> good, we'll put good. a spoiler, a spoler alert in the episode yes, just in case. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for weighing in on that because I also, again, like I saw this movie and one, yes, from, from like a queer and trans perspective, the implications of this movie and like hearing your your thoughts on it too, just 
I'm chewing on this movie a lot. I'm going to see it again. I, I'm really in, interested in it, but um, thank you so much for, for your words and just um, mm. for sharing. Uh, what do you think? Do you think the movie will have an impact on the dollification scene? I think that it will. Um, I think that initially we'll get a huge influx of people and then it'll sort of peter out as people figure out the practical differences between what is a fantasy and what is the reality of, of trying to carry out or explore a fantasy. You know, much like when the Fifty Shades of Grey movie turned out, except for that one, we got a bunch of really people with really bad ideas about what BDSM <laughs> was coming in. Whereas yeah. with the Barbie movie, we're going to have a bunch of people who are already halfway into kink or in the lifestyle just saying well what about doll play and i think that that's a better place to start from i think that this will definitely get people to try it i think that it'll allow people to to take that that joy of play back uh into their into their their play if that makes it's fairly no, awkwardly yeah. worded it puts the joy of of actually playing uh back into your style of of lifestyle play well mm -hmm. thank you so much for weighing in on that and thank you sure. thank you for going on the barbie the barbie tangent with me just for a second i, I oh, really couldn't had resist to. it was so good hopefully I i'll see it before the episode is released so i can hear all the things she's gonna yes. see it i have my weird barbie costume i'm putting it together so that we can go as weird barbies so it's gonna be fine <laughs> good yes good. All right, i don't so own any pink you can be a Barbie and not wear pink, Miss John. You okay. can be any Barbie that you want to be. Goth Barbie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So there um, was a vampire Barbie. Ooh. Oh, wait, was there? Not in the movie, but there was a vampire Barbie. Oh, I'll look that up. Well, <laughs> note to self, definitely look that up. Um, maybe we'll include the link to the vampire Barbie. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the most obvious question in case there are any listeners who have no idea what this episode is about. <laughs> Veronica, can you let us know what? is dollification. I love this question because it is trying to get the definition down to something that is inclusive of all versions of doll play, but also is identifiably distinct enough from every other version of kink, was a multi-year process of me trying to really distill this down to its essence. My uh -oh. best operating theory uh, up to this point has been doll play is the intersection between objectification and customization role play. I love that. That love is the that. strictest rule that is as, as narrow as you can make it without excluding some forms of doll play. Uh, so the only two things that got to be there are the, the subject, the, the submissive being turned into an object. And is that object being customized by the person who is, is the dominant in the situation? That is as narrow as you can get. I love that. Without getting into subgenres of dolls. But could we get into some subgenres? Like, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Of can, can you just name like some of them, some dolls? Absolutely. So I teach a class called Doll Play 101 Rag Dolls to Replicants. And that I sort of, it's a workshoppy type of experience where I, we have a, a sort of a dialogue between me and the people that are in the class where I will give out certain examples of the ways that you can create a doll self or a doll persona in very intimate detail where you really get into the weeds so that when you inhabit that mind space, you have a very accurate representation of what the limits are that are imposed upon you during the scene and sort of mental bondage. So a lot of those limits are going to be determined by the kind of doll you are. So if we go rag doll, right? For example, you're a cloth doll that's just filled with soft stuffing. You don't have any kind of superstructure. There's no endoskeleton, no exoskeleton. You are not a firm, rigid thing that is posable. You just flop <laughs> and you have no mobility and you have no ability to control yourself. You're just this, this heap of rags in the vague shape of a human. That's me in this heat. <laughs> yeah, well, trust me. I, I'm a different kind of a doll when I'm in heat. Um, so oh the uh, <laughs> I don't bump. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, that's a that's a rag doll. That's your very basic. We've been making rag dolls since forever, all the way through your posable dolls, like your ball jointed dolls, your mannequins, like you would have on a display display shelf, uh, sex dolls that are the blow up novelties you buy in weird shops. 
you can have like the real dolls that they sell online, which are they look like people, they feel like people, but they're not. Or you can go all the way up to robots. You can be a, a, a fully automated fantasy girlfriend, or you could be a replicant. Maybe you don't even know that you're an object. Maybe you don't even know that you're a doll. And the questions of what makes a person a person can get brought into play in a very Blade Runner style kink play style so it depends on what you want the themes and the feel of the design to be because we've gotten into all different genres of fantasy with this from this very childlike ragdoll we're going to do a tea party because the dominance is actually going to be a little in this scene and we're going to do a tea party together and i'm going to be her favorite toy that she also kind of smacks around a bit or we can do something that's in like the horror genre where i'm going to be a haunted ball jointed doll or a, a haunted life-size doll like chucky and take out of the house and maybe the doll will be the dominant in the scene there's so many different ways that you can work it so yeah lots and lots of different types of dolls this is so exciting and i, I want to yeah. say really fast i've taken veronica kestrel's class um what was it called again rag dolls to replicants it is mind-blowingly awesome. Um, one of my favorite classes I've taken over the five and a half years I've been in the scene, hands down, like top 10 classes I've taken. So I highly recommend if you guys see this on being advertised and you have a chance to take her class, take the class. It's really fun. I was going to retire it after I taught it recently at 910 WeHo. I taught a, a hybrid class online and in person. And this was only a couple of months after doing DomCon. I taught it at DomCon. And we did a hybrid online and in-person event at 910. And I was going to retire it because I want to do a 201 class. But all the people and, and the people that have staff at 910 and the people at the sanctuary were saying, no, don't retire it. You got to keep going with it. We need more people to get in on this fetish before we put that one away. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very exciting. Like, I had no idea that I could be into doll play. Took the class and went, this is potentially super awesome, super mm -hmm. hot, and super dynamic. Yes. Um, what first got you into dollification? How did you find this? this oh, God. Uh, <laughs> it was a long time ago. Like a lot of uh, young trans people, when I was younger... I was mostly just a, like a cross-dresser because I was still experimenting with my gender. And I had gotten to the point where I knew that I wanted to expand what it is that I could do, but I didn't know how. And I was into cosplay and I was able to do a little bit there. And I was into Rocky Horror Picture Show, so I would do it all the time there. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> A lot of kids get started there for sure. Um, and so I, I was into these things. And so I had little outlets to go. Like when I was at a convention, I could cosplay. I once did uh, Bridget from Guilty Gear. And for any fans of the Guilty Gear series, series in the audience, you'll know how ironic it was uh, that I thought that I could get away with cosplaying a feminine character that's still a man uh, <laughs> before I was still in denial. Because uh, spoiler alert for everyone who doesn't know, Bridget actually turns out to be a transgender woman at the in the most recent game. But go. I cosplayed. I, I did cosplay and I did uh, the Rocky Horror. And I got decently good for the standards that I had for being presentable at the time. But I found myself being limited in what it is that I was capable of and just I could never make it look just right and I never had the opportunity to show it to anyone and so I thought about ways that I could seek out someone to teach me more right and so there's a lot of people online that are are looking to pounce on people like that, that are desperate for different ways to experiment with your gender. Like there are whole sites set up to sell women's clothing that is at the size for a person who is assigned male at birth at like a four times markup. Like there's all kinds of people who are like, oh, I'll teach you. And we're going to charge you all kinds of money for this. And they'll, they'll just prey upon you. And even the ones that don't, charge you through the nose are usually focused on like sissy play which i if you know anything about me and my body of work you know that i'm not a, a huge fan of um so when i'm trying to find for other alternatives i thought what other kinds of avenues exist and so i started consuming fiction at an insane just level i would go on to artist page like an artist that i found was uh heart gear on deviant art is this uh, comic artist who ended up being a trans woman 
uh, who wrote series about going into the closet and her own wardrobe would attack her and like force her and turn her into a girl uh, and sort of treat her like a dress up doll. And then later wrote another story where they were called in for a job interview, but it was in this warehouse filled with various like masks and things. And that person ended up getting like tackled and forced and turned into a doll and made to perform in all these weird sort of vignettes that are just brought out of fetish oriented mind of the author. And just thinking there like, okay, that would be a terrible situation to be non-consensually taken, but also the fantasy in your head. Right. Really hot, right. And so I was like, okay, so clearly this is a fetish. This is a thing that exists. Now, how do I find someone to do the consensual we've negotiated it out and we're going to do this on our own terms version of this. And as it turns out, it's difficult because that's not a widespread fetish. People don't generally know that either they don't know it exists, which I find is the case more often than not, or they it exists to them, but they can't find community. They can't find someone else to do it. So I went looking, just scouring FetLife, scouring Tinder, Bumble, just wherever I could go to find just someone who was into it. And uh, I found a playmate out in Denver who's a very sweet woman who had fantasized and had had really liked her Barbies when she was a little girl (laughs) and just thought, wouldn't it be great if I could just have a person that I could do this to, just a life-sized person that I can just customize and turn them into whoever they want. And I told them, well, I'd let you do that 100%. I will be your canvas make whatever you want with me. And she's like, so there's a community of people and this is there's a name for this and we can just do that? And you'll just let me? I said, well, there's not much of a community for it, but yes. <laughs> and we're starting uh, it. I am yeah. a community right now. <laughs> and so a few weeks later, we tried it out. She had all my sizes and I went to her house and she had gone whole hog. She went all the way in, full full send. She, uh, when I showed up to her, her house for the first scene, she had bought me a prom dress, uh, tights, heels, panties, bra, inserts for the bra. She bought me a wig, a full set of makeup, like like cheap makeup, but a full set of makeup, brushes, eyelash extensions, and press-on nails. Like the entire thing. Wow. Head to toe. Wow. And I went over there and understand this is 2014, I want to say. This is 2014. So this is still five years pre-transition. I was still in denial that I was a woman. And so I go there and I'm just, I'm just a cross-dresser. I'm going to go into doll play. We're going to try this. And so we go there and it takes her three hours to get me completely set and all ready to go. And the whole time she's not letting me look in the mirror. She wants it to be a full, I see myself before, and then I see myself fully transformed. And she turns around, I see myself in the mirror, and that exact moment my egg starts to crack. I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, so it is possible. And I realized at that point that sometimes you gotta let someone else show you what they think about you is beautiful, like mm-hmm. aesthetically, because anyone will tell you you're a beautiful person, everything inside will recognize it. And we need those people in our lives to recognize what's inside. But sometimes for someone to actually take the care and say, here's the things about you I think are beautiful. Let's highlight these things about you. Mm-hmm. Let me show you my vision of you. And she did. And wow. I can safely say that it changed my life. And I was hooked. Mm-hmm. Since then, it has been my main thing. Before that day, my main thing was just impact. I loved impact receiving. I loved impact giving. After that, doll play is my main thing. It's the first thing I look forward to doing is being able to show someone a version of them that maybe they haven't seen before. And as I am a lifestyle switch, having the same thing done to me is also very, very special to me. That's a beautiful story. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. (sighs) All right. You didn't tell me I'd need tissues. Okay. I tell that story in the class too, every time. I'm just like, Lord, this is important. It gets me every time. That's what happens with my memory is so bad. I can hear it more than once and I don't remember. So mm-hmm. then I'm just going to get all emotional I remember, over it. But I, I was almost moved to tears just now just because it's so, I have, I have a theory that a lot of what we do that's successful in BDSM and kink is work that goes beyond the physical into the spiritual, emotional, and psychological aspects of who we are. And what you're describing is this form of intentional transformation that heals and helps people. And I, I love that. 
I am fully committed to that idea. It's it's a term that I refer to. I'm I'm sure it has goes by a lot of names, but I refer to it as uh, aspirational kink. Is that what we're doing, especially if it's in a long-term dynamic, is meant to cause lasting improvement of your life. Something about you should change. I think that kink itself is a collaborative art form. I think that submission is neither a gift, nor is it something to be taken from someone. I think that submission is a piece of art that exists that is mutually created between two people who are both expressing themselves be and, and intermingling their energies and what they create together. That dynamic, that is the art. And in the case of dolls, that art is physically represented on the submissive as a new manifestation of how they look. And I know I'm I'm using very lofty language, but essentially it's you can learn more when you're focused, when, when you're not looking, small ideas can work their way into your system. And I have been doing long-term uh, training with some of my clients long distance. And just by subtly tweaking their daily routines and by giving them affirmations and by changing how it is that they talk about themselves and how they view themselves i can i've seen results and i think that asked that that is the core of why i love kink so much that's why even though i could pay all of my bills and be perfectly happy working just a vanilla job which i am i can't stop doing this work because it is vocational for me i find so much meaning in the in the lifestyle and being able to do it professionally means I can have a greater reach with my platform. Yes. that Those are the pieces that I just want all of the non-kinkster vanilla peeps to hear. You know, it's just yeah. there's all the <laughs> uh, all the rep the representation of it's all about chains and whips and pain. And, the, and it's the, to understand the depths that you can reach is just awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's I'm, hard I to find like minded people, honestly, because. <laughs> You have to get to that point where you care or, but a lot of people, by the time that they've realized that that potential is there, they've already settled into, well, this is the thing that I like, and I'm just going to do this. And it doesn't have to mean anything. And that is fine. But for those of us who want to look deeper, it is difficult to find kindred spirits. It yeah. can be in a lot of cases. Yeah. Keep exploring people. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. <laughs> so in talking about developing these scenes with dollification, are there like certain elements that you would say are important to to make sure are there or common elements throughout maybe not all scenes but most or many sure uh that goes back to the original definition is that the things that are most core to and essential to the play is are we reducing the subject to an object it's important because when you're playing an inanimate object or even an animate object that is seen and treated as an object in scene, there is a mental shift that happens in both the submissive and the dominant in that the submissive gets to think of themselves as acted upon and their purpose to be pleasing to the dominant, which is true in a lot of submissive dominant style dynamics. But in this case, it is the reason for existing. In this case, if you are a toy, you are a thing that was created to entertain a child, right? Or whatever kind of toy you were made. You're for the target <laughs> right. audience for which you were created, right? And so it becomes the focus of the scene is to be available, to be of service. You're not there to get your thing done. Like out of context, out of the scene, you've negotiated, you're there for your reasons. Right. But in the scene, the things you're doing, you're doing them because they make the person happy. So instead of being an active agent, instead of being the person who is determining anything about the scene, bringing the energy, instead, you are there to observe. And you'll learn a lot about your partner to see how they treat you when you are an object. You get to see them take what it is that they want. If there's one thing that's usually frustrating in when you're negotiating things out with a new play partner, it's very difficult to get people to admit what it is that they want. Because I find that almost everyone that I talk to is always a little bit freakier than they let on. <laughs> a little bit. And so I have a yep. script that I follow when I talk to people about their kinks. I'm like, no, 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 really. Swing for the fences. 
tell me the thing you really want to do that you can't let anyone <laughs> know about. I'm not going to judge you. I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> tell me what it is that you want. Let's do, let's talk about that. And if I don't do it, don't worry. I'm a big girl. I can say no. And I expect my consent to be respected. But it's difficult to get people to communicate. In this case, you're handing them the keys saying, I'm not going to be a person right now. Make Here's me. Make use of this how you will. And that element, that of being objectified and being literally for another is essential to doll play, is that you are there to be acted upon. The other part is customization, is show me a version of me that is most pleasing to you. When I go out on a date with my either my, my fiance or any other partner, we are poly as hell, I <laughs> love it when my I just ask before, so is there anything in particular you'd like me to wear? That is me dangling a line like, please, <laughs> please give me instructions. Tell me how to tantalize you. I want to know. I'm not going to judge you for your tastes. Tell me what is going to make you foam at the mouth wanting me. That's what I want to know. But they're always, oh, you know, dress whatever you want. I, I don't want to dress how I want. I want to dress what you want to see. God damn it. Because my kink <laughs> is you being turned on by looking at me. So when I just give them the keys and say, hey, this is your job now. Customize me. Tell me how to look. I can do the work if you can't. But tell me how I'm supposed to look in order to be your dream girl. That's a very different vibe. It puts the control completely in their pocket. It's like, here, the keys to your fantasy. I will be the canvas upon which you can project your fantasies. I want to see them. Show me. That is why doll play is so alluring. And so I would say those are the two most essential parts of it. As far as common things, I'd say it kind of sorts into two camps. You have the inanimate, where you really are completely not an agent. You are to be acted upon. If placed in an awkward position, you'll fall over or you're posed. And you're just not moving and you're sort of dissociating because you're just removing the control of yourself and handing yourself completely over, trusting that the other person is going to position you correctly and do the things that they need to do. And if they mess up, sometimes that's fun too. All the way over to your animate, where you're going to be moving, but it's always got to fall into uncanny valley, where your movements are stiff and robotic and limited in their scope, right? If, if you saw the Barbie movie, this is not a spoiler. It's like the okay. first five seconds of the movie. Yeah, it's when, she go, steps, la, la, la. <laughs> when she steps out of her shoes and her heels still don't touch the floor, that's what I mean. Your movement, your body's ability to move is restricted. And so that slight difference that shows you that even if you look like a person, there's just something a little bit off. That uncanny valley effect like that, that is is very effective in driving the point home that this is not quite a person you're dealing with, at least contained within the scene. I'm completely off script now because I'm processing all of this and I'm thinking and I have this question that's coming up for me or like something that I want to hear you speak to, Veronica, but it's <laughs> not what it's not what I planned, but okay i was thinking about how you were talking about the the point being objectification and mm -hmm. also how submissives often have certain headspaces that already overlap with some of doll play mm -hmm. and then it i've been thinking a lot lately in general maybe it's because i saw the barbie movie or i don't know what's going on for me but i was thinking about the fact that every time we look at a person at least until we get to know them we objectify them yeah and so we do walk through life always being objects. And in many respects, even if you know a person as best as you can, to a degree, we can only know them so well, there is a sense of the object of the person. And so I'm wondering in a way if doll play <clears throat> is like being able to really exert agency and control over something that happens to us and that we do to others constantly. Because our bodies and our physical vessels, they are objects. We are just occupying them. Yeah. I mean, it it, it really, I mean, that's that's meta as hell. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, like, you are removing the, 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 the personification from the person. Like you're reducing them down to their parts, what it is that they present themselves as. And that's a big deal because even in a mental state, that can be true. And this is another thing that I talk about all the time when I, I teach in the class. For example, 
well, so much of how any of us present ourselves is subject to the way others perceive us, right? You only wear colors and patterns that match in a way that would be appealing so that people don't give you weird looks when you walk out the door. Even if you want to wear something, let's say like you want to wear something super cutesy, but it's also like a little too cutesy that you think, oh, maybe I'm a little too old to wear this. And so you don't, you tone it down a little bit. That's not for you. You're not doing that because you don't want to do that. You're doing that because you don't want other people to think that you're weird. Every single aspect of the way that you present yourself to the world is at least slightly curated by the fact that people are going to react to it in one way or another. And that gets ingrained. It starts on the surface, but it gets deep, deep under your skin. And I'm telling you this because as a transgender person, I there was so much about me when I was being raised that I... I didn't feel like I had a sense of agency in determining my own path in life in general. I thought, yeah, I'd be happier as a girl, but doesn't everyone think that? That's a normal thing to think, right? Very trans thought, that's very wrong. People do not all think that. But I thought that, and I thought, okay, so what I want is wrong, and I wanted to do cool things with life, right? I I wanted to to... I wanted to be an, an actor and I wanted to do fun shit. And, but I was raised in a very conservative family. It was like, no, the only things worth doing are science and technology and like engineering and mathematics, STEM, right? Like those are the only jobs worth having. Very, very immigrant attitude, which is my family is, is second generation American. So we had a very immigrant a- attitude where you work for a living. You do not perform for a living. And so I thought all the things that I want, the things that I want, to do are wrong and anything that i wanted to do if i if i was ever going to be able to do them i'd have to justify them i'd have to explain why this is important why this would be better me as a person it was never done merely for the enjoyment of things and so i thought all the things that i want those are things that i get if i work hard and i do the right thing but when you're brought up in a system that not only educational but also spiritual religious that they say this is the right thing to do you think, okay, so all of these things that I wanted for me, I can put these aside. And then instead, I'll take all the expectations people have for me, and that's who I'll be, because then I'll be safe. This will be who I am. And maybe if I can do this thing where I'm I'm, I'm living out the expect- expectations that other people have on me, if I can do this long enough, then maybe I'll eventually get to the point where I'm comfortable and independent and taking care of myself enough to earn the privilege of finally doing the things that make me happy. And isn't that depressing as fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that terrible? And that's not just a trans story. That's just capitalism, baby. Like, (laughs) yeah. But here's the thing is this, this whole thing, all these expectations that I created Uh, This whole personality that I built around the expectations of others, this was a lie. This was never true. This was me doing what I was told so I'd be the good person who could then maybe get to do the things that I actually want. But this is a lie. So it started to break down after I, I was... I was a veteran. And so by the time I left the military, everything was starting to fall away. Religion was the first to go. Then it was uh, the trust in the government. Then it was, you know, the military in general. Then it was the police. Then it was the politics that I was raised in, very conservative politics. Then it was the all these philosophical concepts just falling away, falling away, falling away. But I'd spent so long living a life that was built out of other people's expectations that I didn't know who I was anymore. And I said, well, shit. The thing I was supposed to do, I was supposed to make a career. I was going to be an officer in the Air Force, and that didn't work out. Now what? I spent my whole life working towards this. Now what do I do? I don't know. I better figure out what makes me happy. I don't know what that is. And let me tell you, mid-20s, not terrible for starting over. But also, you enter your rebellion period when everyone else has gone through theirs in their teens. And they're already starting to get on with their lives. So you're sitting there like, oh, shit, what do I do? Well. You feel like you're behind on on generating a personality, on generating an aesthetic, on generating a version of you that would be able to be seen by the rest of the world. And so what did I do? Well, started looking at other people. What are they into? What's this about? What's that about? Show me that thing. Tell me about what you're into. And exploring so many different other things. And then when I finally got into doll play... When I started to really experiment with my gender and really start trying to figure out if this was the path I was going to go down to, what would that look like? Well, 
all I had was years of cross-dressing to look at. And you know what? An entire closet hidden back in the deep part of your closet full of lingerie and old makeup that doesn't even work for your skin tone and not much else and nothing but a history of, of regressive ideas about gender norms to go with does not make a suitable woman at all. So when you start looking at other people and saying, okay, well, could you give me advice? All right, well, advice isn't working out. Can you show me what it is that you think would look good? And then they did. So it was like, no, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do. Here, I'll be your canvas. Turn me into something new. Make me in the object. I will gladly let myself be the object of your creation. Show me what it is that you would want to see. And they do. And then it's reflected back. Then it's reflected back. Yeah. And I can integrate those parts that I think, oh, yeah, you know what? They were right. I like this about me. Or if they're wrong, I don't like that about mm -hmm. me. I want to do this. And you start to take all these different versions and fold them in. Everything that we choose to create as a, as a form of personal aesthetic and our own self-expression is either is, is some form of reaction to the way that we are perceived, right? It's either a we're either conforming to a standard that exists outside of us, or we are specifically rebelling against the standard that is being opposed on us. Either way, the expectations of others is still imposing upon your way that you express yourself to the world. Like you said, the way that people objectify us by imposing their expectations on us, the way that we react to that, either conforming to or rebelling against it, that becomes our version of, of, uh, of expression. I love Very long-winded, I'm sorry. No, I think <laughs> it's, 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 it's all wonderful. <laughs> it's beautiful and important, and I love it. Um, I am going to go, I'm just going to have another question, but it actually is on on plan because I think it's important <laughs> sure. to take all of this If there's beautiful... anything about our podcast, it's the joys of going off plan. Yeah. So. Oh, sure. Um, Improv is great. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, so we now we've kind of filled the vase with the spirit of what this can be. Agreed. I, I want to know, and I want the listeners to know what it would be like to build a scene with you. I mean, one, you do offer your service as a professional, but how would mm. you break this down? Like if I come up to you and I say, I want to do this thing, uh, help me build from A to Z. Like, so the negotiation piece, uh, the scene itself and like aftercare. Right. So let's do the, the the money is no object version of this. Let's say we're going to build our Barbie's dream scene. So if we do this, I'm going to say, we want to start planning. I want you to contact me at least two weeks in advance, at least, because we need to start working out what your doll self is. So I'm going to sit you down as I do in my class and say, okay, so let's work out what does doll play mean to you and what does it mean for you to be a doll? If you, I'll, I'll usually get them into a, like a meditative state. I'll have them close their eyes, take a few deep breaths and just settle and ground and get themselves into a creative mindset. And then once they're there and they're vibing, I say, okay, picture yourself as a doll. It doesn't have to be very clear, but I want you to have a general idea of what you would look like if you were a doll. And we're gonna start filling in these details. Okay. So let's start with what does their skin feel like? Your outer coating or shell or skin, is it soft? Is it hard, firm? Is it plastic? Does it feel hollow? What is it like to touch it? Is it rough, smooth, textured? What, what is it made out of? How does the light interact with it? What is it like when it's wet? What is it like when it's hot? Really get a feel for what what it is made out of feels like. And once you have an idea of what it would be like to touch it, now imagine that that is what coated your entire body. What does it feel like to exist being made out of such a substance? How would that change the way that you experience the world? How would that change the way that people see you? Yes, they'd see you as an object, but would they see something that is well-made or old? Would they perceive you as fragile or tough? Would it elicit an idea of fun or care? What is the emotion that you think people would look to at you and have? So keep that in mind. Now that we've got the outside built and the emotion of what people want to feel when they're looking at you, now on the inside, do you have anything 
supporting your your body like a skeleton or are you just made of hard plastic you don't have to have a skeleton but what is it that provides you your shape is it just very fill packed with stuffing so you're kind of kind of a stuffy what is it that gives you structure and how does that interact with the rest of your body does it wear it like a suit or is the whole thing integrated if you're a replicant if you're really advanced you have a skeleton you're just like any other person but you were made if you're a just an advanced android maybe you have a uh, a titanium endoskeleton maybe you look like a regular person but you weigh 500 pounds because you're made out of metal and carbon fiber and you've got weaponry built into your arms who knows <laughs> you could be anything <laughs> okay so what is it you're made out of what gives you shape okay and then if there needs to be is there filling or stuffing are you just hollow filled with air or is there like padding or is there muscle muscle is there water is it air are you just a blow up what is it that provides the shape now that you have the structure and you have the the thing that contains it what provides it the shape so then at this point you've now got a form right at the very least we have the doll and what it is made out of now we can get into the interesting parts can your doll move not can it move on its own? Can it be moved? Is it rigid or can it be positioned? Does it hold its position when it is posed? Does it have a limited range of motion? If it can be moved, how must it be moved? Is it remote control? Is it animatronic? Is it hydraulic? Is it electric? What gives it its mobility? Now, can it move on its own? If so, how? Again, motors, gears, clockworks, magic, possession, <laughs> demonic entities. <laughs> what, what is it that gives your doll its ability to move? Is it aware of its environment around it? Does it know that it's being played with? If yes, how does it feel about being played with? Does it see itself as a doll and love being played with and see that as fun? Is it resentful? Does it uh, seem like it's like a, a, a being kept as a pet in a sort of a degrading way? Is it want to rebel against its owners, like a slave revolt? Like, what is it? How does it perceive the relationship of being an object that is played with or used? Okay. Is it a spirit that's haunting an object and wants to get free and do its own thing, but it's being kept because it's a little stuffed bear or something and can't what is it that it did what are the limitations here how does it perceive it can it see if so is it because of magic or is it because of cameras can it hear same question can it talk now i have talking tina in my head can oh, it man. talk because sometimes it can make a noise sometimes that noise is just a squeak right little squeaky toy or it could be that it's got a button that you push and it says one phrase because it's got come from the Build-A-Bear workshop and it has one <laughs> phrase on the button and you click it and it says that one thing and that's it. Is it like Buzz Lightyear where it's got three buttons and it'll say a couple of canned phrases and random variables and you hit it and it can say those lines? If so, how do you communicate with the, the world around you using just those three phrases? Is it able to say whatever it wants, but there are limitations? Will someone need to wind a crank or pull a pull string to allow you to talk for a certain amount of time? Is there a limit to how many words you can say, how many seconds you can speak for? The more granular you get into the limitations, into the details, the more immersive the headspace is going to be. Because keeping all of these rules in mind is going to allow you to completely get into the character. The more that you stipulate on, the more realistic the experience becomes. You don't have to have a ton of restrictions, but at least know why things are the way they are. Have an explanation. Understand yourself as a doll completely and make sure that your partner who is controlling you or designing you also knows that. So at this point, you have a doll, depending on your answers, infinite combinations, infinite versions of what a doll could be, right? From mobile to immobile, sentient, non-sentient, whatever it is. So we've now created this whole doll self, right? Okay, so now last, what do they wear? How is it they come across? And if you want me to design it, then I need to know that. And what's your budget for clothing? <laughs> yeah. 
because I would love to take you shopping. Or if I have your sizes, go shopping for you and present the clothes on the day of the scene and be like, this is what you're wearing, my doll, for this scene. And I'll have you bring your makeup, I'll bring the clothing, and we'll build you. So once we've designed that whole doll self, then the typical negotiations, right? M-A-A-T-H-S. We'll do the whole <laughs> negotiations of a properly negotiated scene to make sure that all of the needs are accounted for, medical, physical, yeses, A-OKs, all this stuff. We'll do a full negotiation for the scene. When we get to the scene, then we're going to build you. The first thing we're going to do in the scene is put you together. Assembly is required. And that could take a while. That could be the whole scene for some people. But once we're done with that, then we're going to play in a manner that is appropriate to the type of doll that we've created. If you are a toy, like a poseable ball-jointed doll or a baby doll, we'll probably do a tea party. If you're a marionette, I'll put ropes on your wrists and your legs and we'll hang it from the suspension rigs and I'll make you do a dance. If we have a, if we have a sex doll, then you're coming to the wrong person. I can't do those things. It's a professional scene and I don't do that. All right. Uh, if you are a plushie, then I will try and adopt like a little persona and we'll cuddle and I'll squish you and I'll call you Mr. Bear or whatever it takes. And I'll... <laughs> Design that and I'll play with you in a way that is a corner of that. I'll bring some toys and we'll do a whole play date. If you're a replicant, then I'll act like I'm the evil CEO of a business that is creating the these <laughs> these these people that don't know that they're not people, or maybe they are, because what is people? Because my favorite what one is about right? my favorite one. Aiden just got really excited. Because my yeah. favorite one. I'm also thinking a lot about Westworld. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What Westworld is <laughs> such a huge influence on my later yes. play because yeah create fantasy scenarios and let the, yourself be acted upon just if you want to talk about the essence of being objectified but being on the verge of human existence if you haven't watched Westworld go watch it <laughs> fuck's sake yeah if if you watch Westworld and you think it'd be kind of cool to be a host that like that would be a hell of a thing even though it's horrifying <laughs> if you're like oh man what a fantasy yeah. you're probably into doll play i, I sorry bordering on definitely into doll play if... yeah. <laughs> for sure oh, for yeah. sure for sure <laughs> after my success on tiktok uh, I had fans clamoring for a Discord server, so I created one that's called Kestrel Industries, where we play a shadowy corporation that turns people into dolls. Uh, and it's all very, it's all very light and and off the cuff, but uh, essentially it's the aesthetic. And so anyone, anyone associated with the server, anyone who's a fan of the channel, can make a Kestrel Industries model doll. And there's all there's very few rules to this, but it's always it, we do not violate consent even in fantasy. It's always very important because mm -hmm. uh, I don't want it to stray into that kind of thing. I get problematic super fast. Even in fiction with a community creative project, I want to make sure that we're staying consistent with uh, our ethics. The, 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 the motto of the company is that our products are made with the finest materials, which means that any doll that is put out is a high value asset. There is no such thing as junk. Kestrel Industries doesn't create junk. So when we make a doll, it's the best doll because you were made of the best materials. So I don't, so I get people coming over like, oh, you know, I don't like my body. You know, like how... doesn't matter. <laughs> Someone out there, there is a client looking for you and they will pay top dollar. You are the best doll on the market for your demographic. So let's get in. Let's make you, you're going to be top of the line. And that's all we make. That's, that's awesome. That's the basic. <laughs> idea of Kestrel Industries is that how do we turn anyone who comes to us into the best product on the market? And it's, it's fake capitalism, which is the only good capitalism. <laughs> and it's this sort of sinister corporation that's also just kind of silly. You're just uh, over here like building people's self-esteem and helping them out, but you yeah. call it a sinister organization. You're yeah. like this evil industry where I take people and Make them feel good about themselves. Multifaceted. <laughs> it's the fantasy. The fantasy is, oh no, I'm being turned into a doll. But the reality is, yeah, you're you're awesome, and we're turning you into something even more awesome. That's that's the ploy, basically. Is everyone likes the idea of a sinister corporation that's going to turn you into a doll? It's the fantasy. So that's what we do. That's awesome. Love it so much. Is it okay if we share that in the show notes? Um, your Kestrel Industries Discord. Can we share a link to that? Oh, absolutely. That would okay, be great. Cool. I I may be on it already, oh. so I could. Are you already in it? Good. Yeah. I'm afraid that if I get on, well, I don't do good with any 
social it's not media good. ever. She's but barely on our Discord. I struggle because I get overwhelmed. <laughs> I have anxiety, yeah. and sometimes yeah. I need to stare at a wall for three hours. Um, it's all it's all Relatable. coming together. Yes. Um, that if I got on the Discord, I just go full into doll play, and then you wouldn't see me for like a month. Yeah, that might be a problem. It could happen. It's just we have too much to do. <laughs> holding myself back because I'm just gonna get lost. Um, fair. <laughs> so I was just thinking about lunch. it'll be fine. <laughs> All the extra time. Just go to more stuff. I will. <laughs> Look, it's one I week I can let you month. know when Come it is. First Wednesday <laughs> of every month. So it was yesterday. The doll play, the Kestrel Industries doll play munch. It's in Anaheim, so it's probably a bit of a trip oh. for you, but. I will add it to my calendar and see if I can come. And I recommend any listeners who are curious to come to this as well. First Wednesday of the month. So I was going to ask, because you mentioned at the start of this, how you might incorporate a little bit of kind of meditation and things like that. Mm -hmm. Besides, you know, the dollification itself and the natural role play aspect, are there other types of kinks and play that tend to fit in with dollification yeah it's it's always tempting at this juncture to mention hypnosis a lot of people love to do immersive hypnosis in my own experience however i found a lot of hypno communities especially ones that are based online to be kind of predatory and really toxic Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's very difficult to find a healthy hypno community in which to get immersed there is a very promising one that is is starting up locally i know the person who's starting it symphonette she's fantastic um she and i did a little bit of hypno play back when i was doing doll play back in 2018 early 2019 uh which was fantastic but I, I I urge people to be very cautious. Uh, you shouldn't do hypno play with someone unless you really, really can trust them intrinsically. Like you know them as a person, you work as friends, you would trust them wandering around the inside of your house while you're asleep. Because yeah. that's essentially what they're going to be doing. So I, I don't, because of previous bad experiences, I don't strongly recommend hypnosis, especially for new players. But if you're experienced and veteran enough that you think that you're ready to to delve deeper into that, you can certainly overlap it with that. But yeah, they 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 work together pretty well if you can get it to work. But as far as styles of play, oh god, I can't tell you how much it meshes so well with domestic service especially for android and replicant style uh dolls mm. it's just you're the servant like you, you could you could literally play rosie from the jetsons like that's the vibe is <laughs> you can just be the android maid who will go and 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 serve all the needs and so you can do an entire like domestic service thing i've done this I've done this for a local dominant that I, I respect. I won't drop names, but I've done this for a local dominant uh, where I, I put on my best freshly pressed maid dress and I looked perfect. And I, I cleaned her entire apartment and cooked her dinner, served it by candlelight. And just that was it. That was the whole scene is just me cleaning the whole place and cooking her dinner and serving it by candlelight. And I did that to get a good girl. That was it. That's all I needed. Because I was being addressed as a doll, treating as a doll, and 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 that was very immersive and wonderful. And uh, so it works really, really well with domestic play. If you extend domestic beyond the house, like if you're going to do a chauffeur thing, or the doll can even play a bodyguard. I've got replicants as bodyguards. <laughs> uh, actually, one of my long distance and and long term trainees is actually in that role, where we go out and they they're always looking real tough. And they're on guard because they got to protect the protect me. This is their owner, the 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 bodyguard military doll. It was great. Uh, if you've ever seen Chobits, anime fans are super into doll play. Uh, Chobits or uh, any anyone where the the girl is an android. Uh, there's there's so many different ways you can do that. Sexual play between like for lifestyle partners or for intimate partners with whom that you're okay with that. Sexual play works very very well because you can be a sex toy. Like literally mm-hmm. a human vibrator, which is fantastic and sexy for so many reasons. I would say from experience, personally, I really liked the one where I am an inanimate object to be acted upon. Because all kinds of really dirty things were done to me. And I just had to sit there and not react with a oh. plastic smile plastered on my face. Just oh my God. wanting to scream, <laughs> wanting to squirm wanting to move but i couldn't mental Uh, bondage 
the self-control so oh god <laughs> oh it's hot so, like the, the mental bondage that you have to exert to when you're having such heavy stimulus put onto you and you can't react can't you can't say anything you can't do anything you can't move that <laughs> challenge is so fun if, for the right kind of player amazing and for me i yeah. really really like that being an inanimate doll is a hell of a challenge but it's also a whole lot of fun and i have spent hours and hours like i've had four hour scenes where i didn't move where i needed a massage afterwards because i was so stiff from just holding a position but it was great it was super super good so yeah, a, a wide variety of styles of play just fold really naturally into doll play. I would say that the things that require like discipline, like impact play, you really have to work on uh, finding a reason why you would discipline an object instead of just reprogramming <laughs> it. But you know what does work really well if you like pain or sensation play? Electro. Oh my gosh. Put the doll down on the table and say, okay, the workshop is open. Now let's go ahead and open. <laughs> let's work on your internals. So let's open up the panel here. You take out your wand and just oh, oh I can see that there's a couple of things here that need adjusting. Yeah, me, I'm thinking of the game of operator. Let me weld these wires together. <laughs> <laughs> let me weld these together and let me plug this back in. <laughs> Piercing play, actually, believe it or not, really good for that. There was a a scene once where I had uh, the string for a pull string for my uh, ability to speak was, was held in by needles on my back, wow. uh, which I found out then that I wasn't really into needle play um, oh. and I, I didn't do it again for, it was immersive and it was really powerful and I was very glad I got a lot out of it, but I don't want to do it again. And that's good uh, to know <laughs> yeah. that I'm not into that, but yeah, there's, there's so many things that will fold into it really well. Even in non kinky type situations, you can fold slight kink into it where if you're going out with a doll, just on a date, right? Be like, I'm going to take my Android girlfriend on a date. You're going to make her dress a little bit higher up than the people around you. Like you're going to go to like middle of the road, like kind of restaurant where you have to sit down and order your food. But people tend to go there and just like jeans or <laughs> slacks at best. And she's going to be in a whole ass dress with opera gloves and totally just, <laughs> wow, the fanciest. And people are going to look at her and they'll have nothing to judge her for. Nothing at all. They don't know about the vibrator you've put in her panties that you're adjusting from your phone and she's not reacting to. And this is just the way that you're communicating with her. But she's fancier. And so it's immersive just by being looked at for being just a little bit different. Because again, Uncanny Valley, there's just something a little bit off. And isn't that just a, just a tad suspicious? And so for people who are exhibitionists that don't want to cross the line of doing nudity or doing anything illegal, that's a great way. It's just be a little bit too showy for wherever it is you're going. You are just Love an idea it. machine. I mean, oh, this yeah. is amazing. I'm so excited by so many ideas that have come out of this podcast. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh. I'm just I've been right. doing doll play a lot longer than a lot of people have been in the lifestyle. So yeah. it's I've I've done a bit. Done I a think bit. I think uh Eden is a robot type and her brain is currently downloading. Wonderful. I, I like the replicant buffering. idea. I, yeah, I, buffering. Thank you. I do feel often as if our bodies are really just really intelligently designed machines. Mm -hmm. And so to me, role-playing as a replicant is basically just role-playing as yourself, but with more limitations. Right. Like, it's just fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, anyways, it's not the first the time. <laughs> the great thing about replicant play is that you can put in like RoboCop. You can just put in like random limitations that wouldn't make sense for anyone else but make sense for you because you're an object that is owned like there'll be words you can't say or phrases that are just locked out of your vocabulary you know you you can't agree to things unless let's say whatever it is people want you can't agree to a thing unless your owner agrees for you you're not able to issue consent for anything like the waiter come over do you want some more water and you have to be like do I, do I want more water? <laughs> yes. She wants some more water. It's so controlling. Your waiter will be like, uh, but still, <laughs> if you're into it, fantastic. Just like if you have to determine where the, the boundaries are going to be for what your limitations are, especially if you're going to be a replicant. But yeah, exactly. 
these these arbitrary limitations which provide the the level of immersion yeah. that you're aspiring to in the scene is <laughs> is meat and potatoes of doll play and it's so much fun i just had a hilarious possibly sadistic entertaining idea for to me oh, as no. as a top or top oh is <laughs> i was thinking about the having a person who is playing some kind of computer operated type thing doll mm -hmm. machine person and then i thought of the matrix how they can download programs so mm -hmm. that all of a sudden they're able to do kung fu or they're sure. able to you know speak a language or do a certain dance or whatever and incorporating that i'm like okay i'm downloading this program now <laughs> do the salsa i don't the, the great thing the is, is you watching is me watching the if you take it a step further and be like okay i have a whole new suite of programs but the kid i got it from a sketchy source so it might be a bit buggy <laughs> and you download it's like, all right i'm gonna upload salsa dancing and then you just upload it into your doll now your doll does not know how to salsa right and so when they upload the program and it doesn't work right it's just bugs they're working yeah. it out of the system i love it this is not the first time and i don't think it'll be the last where miss jen collaborates with somebody and creates a terrifying scenario oh, nightmare. yeah um just especially to somebody who doesn't like to dance i'm not like sorry i'm not sorry i would never expect you to be sorry i will be real i mean i think we're all enjoying this moment but also i i mean i just love speechless. that that this is now our second interview and both times uh we've managed to fluster eden um so yeah. that's fun that's for true. me it's not super it's not super hard to do but yeah the, the, congratulations excellent <laughs> uh another one that you might want to try especially for programmable uh dolls is hot switching personalities oh well, that's cool ha have a signal be like okay now you're a bimbo now you're a, an assassin now you're a, a professional salsa dancer. Now you're an actress. <laughs> now you're a, 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 a maid with a British accent. Now you're whatever. Just have a bunch of preset personalities and let them know what the code word is for each. And you can always introduce more and then just play with these headspaces throughout the day. Okay, right now I'm going to have you, you're going to be a, a, a slutty maid. And they're going to do that. And like, you're going to go out in public and forget to hot switch the personality. They're still be like, well, master, what else can I do for you? And you're like, oh, shit. I got forgot to. Oh, uh, now you're a, the, the chauffeur. You're a butler. Okay, much better. It's just change <laughs> who they're supposed to be. Not just how they look, but tell them who to be at every stage of the day. So you can do these long extended scenes where they can act totally normal in public, but even acting normal would be a form of control. A slutty maid with an accent like you're from Brooklyn. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just imagining ways to subvert and like kind of brat a little bit in this. I'm imagining saying like butler, but like I'm a butler who has like a dark past and like I just killed someone. You just create so like, like a whole backstory. Yeah, I have like a crazy backstory, but I'm still a butler. But like. Look, this all really works when you have a creative <laughs> mind like that. Bring that all to the table. Negotiate everything out in public, uh, out beforehand. <laughs> public, but yeah. um, but creative minds thrive with doll play because the the the, the possibilities are literally endless. All of kink can be folded into doll play. If you're if you're seeing this, you can recognize this is true. It's just yeah. a thing that you can put into any kink scenario to add a little extra flavor. So doll play can contain every other form of expression within kink, dominant and submissive. I love that. I feel we should end on that. We were actually <laughs> going to ask you, well, we we're going to ask you if you had anything, the like any last words about things you want people to take away, but I feel like you just did it. Yeah. You just gave those words. <laughs> well, we can still give you a chance to say, if, is there anything else that you would want listeners to take away from this conversation? Don't hold back in your experimentation. Like this is a chance for you to create something new. And so if you always stay within your safe little bubble, you are going to keep having the same kinds of scenes. And that might be great. And that might be a lot of fun. And you might get a lot out of that. But by trying new things, by experimenting, doll play is, a, is a, an excuse to experiment. And you should take that opportunity because then you'll find and discover new things. And you'll learn things not only about yourself, but about your partner that'll bring you closer together. I have discovered new things and fantasies and new ways of expression that are very dear to me that I only know because I did them in doll play. And same thing for my partner. My partner, who is also a trans, 
yesterday they were feeling kind of down and we were doing the doll play munch. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do your makeup. We're going to put you in a dress. And it turned their entire day around because nice. it's not how they don't normally go hyper femme. But I was like, look, I'm just going to do this. Are you down? She's like, well, I'm always down to be your doll. I said, okay. So use doll play as an excuse to step out of your comfort zone. Art should be about exploration. So explore, explore, please. And then come back and tell us about it. <laughs> yes. Um, our, this is this is the fun plugging portion of yes. the podcast. Uh, is there anything? We talked about your Discord. We're going to link to that. Yeah. Uh, and your munch, of course. Um, please let me know if there's, if let us know if there's a, a link or someplace where people can stay on top of when those are happening. Anything else would you like to plug that you're doing? Yeah, so if you're not already, you should please follow me on TikTok at SwitchVero. Uh, and if you and everywhere else, everywhere else, I am Veronica Castro at Veronica spelled with a K, V-E-R-O-N-I-K-A, Kestrel like the bird, K-E-S-T-R-E-L. Uh, basically everywhere else. I'm on threads, I'm on it's still called Twitter. I don't care. I will stop calling it Twitter when Elon starts dead naming his uh. kid. Uh, the <laughs> we I I am on uh, Night Flirt, OnlyFans, Instagram, wherever you want to follow. But especially follow me on FetLife at Veronica Kestrel because there you will see the monthly posting for my munch. It is at Radiant Brewery in Anaheim uh, from 7 to 10. There's always a food truck and there's great drinks there um, and good company. And we do, we do actually talk about doll play at the doll play munch. And so <laughs> I, we're hoping to build this community of local kinksters. So if you are local to Southern California, please come be part of this growing uh, community while it's still small. And you can say that you were there when we started. <laughs> That sounds like a great way for somebody to get started as well as just meeting other for people sure. that are into to this and a part of the community. So that's mm -hmm. awesome. It's way okay. easier to get people uh, to to do this kind of scene if they're already into it. And if you're not like having to pitch it to them for the first time, although I do find I have pretty good luck getting people into this kink. That's probably why I keep teaching the class. <laughs> well, and I do already follow you on TikTok. Awesome. Um, I always get a kick out of it when you use my maths negotiation uh, acronym. It's good. So, <laughs> so thank you. Um, but you have great content. It was really, really wonderful to have you tonight. This was a, an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being here, taking the thank time. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yay. Okay. Well, um, we also want to go ahead and do a shout out really fast at the end of the episode for um, all of the people that helped make this possible. We're talking. Whoa, I almost said cocking. <laughs> I'm talking, of course, about our amazing team, Lena, Sid, and Tussle. Um, they're all great. They all contribute in various ways to our Discord, to our website, and to our content. So thank you to three of them. And then um, last but not least, we're going to do our shout outs for our Call, call Me Kinklings. Yes, Pudding. And... Allie. Allie! Why do we always do that one together and not Pudding? Do you want to say Puddings together? Okay, yeah. Pudding. All right. Well, pudding gets a weird <laughs> sound. So uh, thank you so much to everybody who helps make this show possible. And thank you so much again to Veronica Kestrel for being here with us. Mm. Uh, this was such a bomb episode. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the munch. Looking forward to life. And I'm going to go build my doll. So. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, precious kinklings. We will catch you next time. Thank you, Veronica. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.